If you're studying for an InfoSec certification, you'll probably get a lot of benefit from the Wanna Practice app. Thousands of practice questions unavailable anywhere else, each aligned with the official exam outline in a fully interactive format. Study by domain or take a simulated full practice exam. All functionality and content is available from any device with a browser or use our new Android app in the Play Store. So if you want to prepare for the CISSP, SSCP, CCSP, CISM, or CISA exam, go to wannapractice.com. Wanna practice. Success and certification is in your hands. And welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Malisa. And I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Raphael Fiedler. And gentlemen, let's, uh, let's catch up on a few current events and some interesting trends in our own environment here. Um, I know this is going to come as a shock to you. But uh, an American lawmaker in the federal space has proposed another law which is of dubious quality at best, and its title spells out a word. <laughs> well, that's what you do. That's how you market it, right? I, I, you know, Act, the, I, you know. I'm firmly convinced, and I think we've been saying this now for how many years has this show been on the air, that that the next true federal law that should be passed is that any lawmaker who tries to make an acronym out of a title should be put to death. I, I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. I'm, I'm willing to go to an extreme for this. Um, <laughs> Backronym. So in other words, you come up with a catchy name first and then you assign the words to each of the initials. Or, the or, or worse, or worse. You come up with the word and then you try to force meaning into the word that mm -hmm. is somewhat similar to the intention of your proposed law. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I remember famously the the, the Can Spam Act. Of, oh. uh, it was in the mid two thousands or something like that. That was uh, yeah. it, it was all initials that were you know something that had to do with blocking spam emails. And of course, it was a huge failure. HIPAA, oh, I like, oh, but that. it's still in effect, Matt. Oh, it, yeah, is, have, it have is. You, Oh yeah, have you seen how you haven't gotten any spam since that was oh, passed? No, I hadn't noticed because of yeah, all the spam yeah. I had to wade through. To, yeah. <laughs> it must have slipped my inbox. And You're the funny thing is, when they were being clever with that one, what they were saying is, you know, we're going to can it, like canning, mm. like containing, or like getting rid of it or tossing it. Throw it but trash, what it really yeah. means is, it's got that adverb in there. It means you can spam. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so what's um, this new one? This one, uh, this proposed one, is the PROTECT Act. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit on the nose. Uh, Preventing rampant online technological exploitation and criminal trafficking. Rampant. Rampant? Rampant. <laughs> Otherwise, rampant. it would not be PROTECT. <laughs> <It'd be perfect>. uh, <laughs> uh, just from that title the, and i i don't know if you've looked at this i know i i sent us the link ahead of time but uh do, do either of you have any idea what this is about 
Yeah, I glanced at the link and I only got through a few paragraphs before we had to hop on. But uh, the first thing that I saw was, yeah, it's about protecting the kids, obviously. Deity. It's it's always about the deity <laughs> because you can't go wrong chasing terrorists or protecting kids. Um, but the, the the thing that jumped out at me just in the, the couple of minutes that I looked at it was the statistics that it was citing in this act or this proposed act were were it was surprising. It, uh, I'm I'm curious to to see what your thoughts are on it, Ben. So surprising is a word. The the <laughs> um, the the other thing I would say about it is when you're writing a law. I don't think you need, or you shouldn't have to need, like an English paper you're writing for high school or college to substantiate the reasons for your law. You're a lawmaker and you're an adult and all the other people you're proposing this law to are also lawmakers. Giving them a list of reasons in the law itself is insane. That, that's, that's, it's as if you're saying, you know, this thing can't stand on its own and I'm doing it because of this. Um, but I, I did see a whole bunch of this stuff. It's all things that aren't going to age very well at all. They quote, uh, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. They quote the New York Times. They use some really weird uh, conflation of sexual imagery online and child sexual abuse material, CSAM, which has become the, the new acronym for uh, kitty porn. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what they're trying to say is that a significant percentage of porn online is kitty porn. I, I, I've done a fairly scientific um, research study <laughs> of porn online all the way, dating back all the way to the 1990s. I tell you what, I see no anecdotal evidence to support whatsoever that a significant percentage of the content is CSAM. Go ahead, Rafi. I just wanted to add here, of course, significant is a, is a technical term. And the significance only means if you're saying that it's 0.001% and you can reliably have a significant, like all the data you have can that's be... The other, that's the other problem when using significant. statistics. Exactly. No, no. Th there are different meanings of talk. significance from statistics exactly. and from science and from a particular common colloquial usage of the term exactly right and you're mixing you know, all of them exactly correct. to fit your person purpose no, of course of course correct. but i just and wanted to say I'm... like from a mathematical and and scientific ish perspective it's like um and people are doing that by mistake all the time if they don't if they cannot measure something to the fourth degree and they still put after the comma four numbers and it's not just a comma i know um that's wrong because you don't have the significance to do that. Um, but yeah, so to have a significance, it's only, it only means that in the data you acquire, you can see it uh, to a certain, to, to that degree that is the minimum uh, of your significance standard. So I hope I yes. just made sense. <laughs> yes, and, and Matt, I, I think that's what you were kind of talking about is that the, they're pulling these huge numbers to make, yeah. to make CSAM look like it's this, you know, uh, uh, rampant, for lack of a better term. <laughs>
Pro like as if you turn on your computer, you are in danger of kitty porn just popping up on your screen, right? right, is, right. Does that, is that what it seemed like to you in there in this section two of the proposed yeah, law? Yeah, and I don't have it up in front of me, so I can't quote the numbers that they cited in there, but it was in the millions. It was like fifty-four million or something, something like that, instances of of uh, uh, child pornography, CSAM uh, stuff, and not. 29 million. Okay, yeah. 29 million. Okay, yeah, I knew it was some, some number like that. But at that point, it, I mean, is there a difference between 29 yeah, and 54? Right, million? right. Once yeah. it gets to 29 million, that's that's a lot of abused children. You know, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you you always have to frame these types of things as, okay, what is the actual population of the United States? Like 350 million people. <laughs> and they're saying that 29 million, 24 million, whatever the number was. Uh, are affiliated with or engaging in or consuming this content. And I remember this back in the 90s when numbers about child abduction were coming out, the whole the whole stranger danger bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and satanic panic. Something, yeah, and, the, and they were saying something like 50,000 American kids were being kidnapped per year. Yeah. And I just sat down and I said, wait a second, we only have 50 states. Mm -hmm. So that would mean, I mean, if you did, you know, just a, 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 the base average would be a thousand per state per year. And there's only, you know, a certain population per state. And I lived like in a, 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 some low population states for a while, like Nevada. That would mean that at some point you knew somebody within your friend circle yeah. whose child had been kidnapped. I mean, there's just no other way. You couldn't avoid it. It, it would be so endemic to our culture. Yeah. And what it turns out is even if you lend credence to that number, the vast majority of those are custodial disagreements between divorcing or divorced parents. Right. right. I mean, yes. not what we think of when we think of kidnapping, kidnapping, you know, <laughs> what I wanted to add here, because you're saying you don't see it. See, um, maybe those lawmakers have spent too much time on Twitch and there are some very young people who are just chatting under quotes um i don't know if you've seen this but this has started la late last year and the just chatting category is not explicit pornographic but it is very um suggestive and there are underage people on there and it's it's twitch you know twitch you know um i've not i don't spend time on twitch but i know about this <laughs> because it has been in my circles have been talked about as, as how twitch has reacted to it and and they actually are claiming, well, the, the porn industry is taking viewers away from them. And Twitch uh, did lay off a lot of people this year. And so they want to apparently get people back. I don't know why. And I don't know why they are going down that rabbit hole. But <laughs> so are, 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 are you saying that Twitch is trying to gain back market share by exploiting and sexual suggestive things uh, with minors? Is that what you're saying? I would not. No, this is absolutely not what I would claim about an Amazon <laughs> you're sounding subsidiary like a here. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm absolutely not claiming. But if you want to make a paint a picture of that yourself, I just checked. I just opened Twitch and clicked on just chatting, and it's yeah. <laughs> the first hit was something 18 plus and i'm like okay not going deeper <laughs> i don't even have to scroll <laughs> and i i don't know if this is just me also but um i i don't even have a twitch account i don't look at twitch but i do have x twitter right um and and one of the ads that's now recurring in my feed because they only have so many ads you see them over and over again is ads for only fans uh featuring um stand-up comics 
and entertainers and violin players. Obviously, in an attempt for OnlyFans to try to reclaim some of what its original intent was, which is supporting, you know, artistic endeavors um, that aren't in the adult entertainment industry. I can't imagine that's going well for them at all. I, you know, <laughs> um, but that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about the law here for a second. As Matt points out, the law seems on its face to dangerously overstate this this ramp. Oh, and let me be perfectly clear. This show and none of the participants in it have ever suggested that child pornography is anything other than horrible. Okay. Oh, yes. yeah. We are we are we are not trying to um make light of nor minimize the harm caused by child pornography. Yeah, On the absolutely. other hand, we are trying to minimize the harm caused by overzealous legislators who That's wish true. to hide their draconian intentions under guise of protecting us against the scourge of child pornography. So, so that's how they couch it right at the beginning. Boom. They start with the kitty porn, like most of these for the deity or anti-terrorist campaign start as. Then they go ahead and right at the end of that introductory step adds the and adult entertainers into the mix. Yeah. <laughs> right away conflating the dangers and horror of child pornography with adult entertainment, which, which is red flag consenting. Right yeah. I mean, if, if it's consenting above age people doing stuff in their private lives, that's... Well, you'd think that, Matt, which is why <laughs> the author of this fine piece of legislation has started section three, the definition sections, with defining consent. Oh, okay. That's a nice segue. In particular, a term called coerced consent. Okay. Have you ever heard that in any legal framework? Have you ever heard that used in court? Um, I've heard of, I remember back in the original Gulf War, uh, some of the POWs giving statements on camera, uh, and they were, that was the first time I'd heard significantly the word under duress. Duress, um, yes. And that is a legal term. Yeah. And, and and the the idea is, you know, if the mob comes into your restaurant and puts a gun to your head and says, buy our insurance, you know, yeah. and you sign the contract, you cannot legally be held to the contract because you signed the contract under duress. Right. So we have a perfectly yeah. good legal definition already in place here. Correct. Very good. Very good. So this dolt has decided to go ahead and make his own new legal term called coerced consent. Means consent obtained from a person through fraud, duress, misrepresentation, undue influence, or non-disclosure. I'm okay with that so far, and I think that already exists in the law. Yeah. Um, B, who lack capacity. That would be, coerced consent would be from someone with diminished capacity. We already have that in the law. Right. Yeah, someone not of the age of majority, they also can't grant consent. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or if they have diminished mental capacity, the, yeah. the, the court is willing to accept a medical diagnosis which says this person cannot legally enter a contract or be held to a contract which they've entered into. Or C, through exploiting or leveraging the person's, one, immigration status, two, pregnancy, three, disability, four, addiction, five, juvenile status, or six, economic circumstances. Mm. For me, 
every job I've ever taken was an exploitation of my economic <laughs> circumstances. That's the definition of being a part of the working class. <laughs> that's it that's makes interesting. It, sound, yeah. it makes it sound as if the only people who could conceivably enter into a legal contract with full consent, informed consent, would be adults who are heirs to some aristocratic fortune and have never worked a day in their life. Those are the only people allowed to be <laughs> pornographic entertainers, right? <laughs> oh, and natural and natural citizens, right? Uh, uh, you know, uh, right. Citi birthright citizens, right? Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm absolutely flabbergasted by this. This is, you know, it's funny because it's an anti-child porn law, supposedly on its face, and yet it comes around to infantilizing all of us as citizens. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that we can all look at that and say, yeah, there are circumstances where immigration status, where economic status, where addiction status, th those all do come into play in, in coercion or putting somebody in a, at a disadvantage where they, they'll do stuff for money. But yeah, that's so that that that's so, that definition is so wide and far ranging. Uh, it covers everybody. There's nobody. I have, no, I have no problem with this law if they also enforce it on melon picking, because by and large, all of our chicken rendering plants, um, all of our, the vast majority of our landscaping services are performed by people with duress because of their economic circumstances and their immigration status. Yeah. You don't find, uh, you know, birthright citizens in the U.S. out picking tomatoes in the summertime. That's just not for less than minimum wage. That is not something that gets done. Um, this is awful. This is ridiculous. This is, again, Puritanism cloaked in pr protect the deity, right? You know? Yeah. So uh, you, you haven't gotten to it yet, but what's, what, what are they proposing and we actually do? But, to protect uh, are, are they are they saying more uh, age verification laws are they saying penalty yeah, death? Yeah. are they okay what it requires is that every website that hosts any image or and this gets really weird description of something <laughs> that is that is uh, graphic sexual or graphic violent again very weird i'm not sure how they're going to or uh, an approximation of something sexual or violent. So it doesn't, you don't actually have to show the penetration. It could just be a suggestion of, again, mm. this could be any image, uh, must do two things. One, they have to confirm the identity of the person uploading it is in fact the person and all of the people appearing in the image. So no such thing as uh, anonymous posting of your amateur mm -hmm. content. Or uh, the, uh, the whole uh, revenge porn thing. That, yeah. Well, that's that already a law. Mind. That's already okay. against the law. And so okay. many, I think yeah. that those are state laws, but I think that's a thing already. Um, yeah. uh, and then the other thing is each producer of any of these images must identify themselves unequivocally and enclose in the upload some description of all of the content that you're uploading so that there is no uh, bait and switch, right? That you can't just say, this is me uh, doing dirty pics with my friend uh, last summer. Instead, you have to describe everything in it so that there's, there's no uh, 
mistaking that this image is the one that you're attributing your identity to. Hmm. I, I guess Congress wants us to write book reports of porn. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it. Although uh, now, to be fair, this sounds like this would benefit the the large porn websites of the world because they've they already do all this stuff. Um, so this sounds kind of like a way to quash all the the upstarts that are out there. Maybe not the the twitches, but definitely the OnlyFans and the porn hubs and stuff like that of the world. I can't imagine, Matt. You're you're actually suggesting that legislation uh, actually supports entrenched interests and, <laughs> know, and quashes <laughs> any uh, novelty or innovation. I'm, I'm shocked, Matt. That can't possibly be true. Haven't yeah. you seen all the car companies that have flourished by starting up brand new over the past thirty years? Mm. And yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not the consolidation of right. every major brand down into three, three, exactly, three big organizations. Yeah, so, or, so or, saying... or military aircraft uh, construction, yeah. or you know. Oh gosh, yeah. Don't even get me started so on that. Yeah, Solomon's investment was a good decision, in in buying MindGeek. You know? I think so. I think so, because if you're, because they're the only ones who could afford to do this realistically. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, uh, if this thing gets passed, I can't imagine it's going to. It's so absurdly ridiculous. Mm. Um, you know, <laughs> we said the same thing when Trump was elected. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, th this also says that it, it creates. Uh, uh, a similar takedown notice capability that the DMCA does for copyrighted material. Um, so you have basically anyone can notify a, a website hosting any of this imagery, and that website has three days to take down that image or confirm its provenance. Right? Mm, okay. I, you know, the, it and 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 on its face, so again, this is targeting underage minors who are non-consenting or the, no it's not even targeting that well it just, <laughs> it just starts that way okay. in the preamble <laughs> okay <laughs> and then that that lets it bring in the the secret sucker punch that's mm. all porn right mm. yeah. all porn yeah. must be bad because at least some of it is kiddie porn right that that that's how this works here uh and the penalties are ten thousand dollars a day for every violation, mm. um, uh, $10,000 per image. I, I just, it's, uh, this is ludicrous. It's absolutely insane. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think I, we made, we, we made the joke several months ago about how much law enforcement there is in the United States. And we were talking with Rafti about how basically every every fifth or tenth person in the world or in the United States basically is a law enforcement officer of some sort of affiliated with some 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 capacity. And that's not even close to enough capacity to be able to enforce something like this. I don't know how you, how you would do that unless everybody who's not producing the kitty porn becomes an enforcement agency <laughs> against the kitty porn. Or, or just again, porn in general, not even kitty porn. And, yeah. and it's not just kitty porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and here's the kicker. You know, at, at some point, if this did get to be too restrictive to even where the porn hubs and the OnlyFans and the whatevers could not reasonably handle this amount of paperwork, because that's what it's going to boil down to, um, the, the, the reasonable expectation is some entrant into the field would say, I'm going to go 
fund a ship full of servers off the 12 mile limit offshore so that now I'm outside the US's jurisdiction and that's gonna be, I'm gonna be the biggest porn uh, host in the entire world, right? I'm gonna yeah. serve the American need for porn uh, by, by doing it outside of the reach of the federal government. Except the law has already anticipated this. There's an extraterritoriality clause in this proposed law that says the jurisdiction extends to anywhere on the planet if any of the subjects of the images are Americans or if any of the owners of the company are Americans. Oh, okay. <sighs> Yay. And I yeah. thought, and I thought like, the next business idea for Ben would be here. I don't know. <laughs> Wanna stiff? I don't know. Yeah, he lives close to the coast. It wouldn't be hard for him to drop anchor. I could miles. go. I could go rent or buy one of the the used uh, oil derricks in the yeah. Gulf. You know that, that aren't drilling. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. You just have, why to, not? have to renounce your U.S. citizenship and only hire <laughs> non-citizens to be the the featured acts. Ah. <sighs> My goodness. And you, then you know what I'd get busted for? Discriminating against Americans. Yeah, right. <laughs> this just goes back to my attitude of physical media is the best. If you really have a porn addiction and you want to avoid any scrutiny by any government agency, go to your local half-price books or to you know a, 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 a used CD place. They will have tons of VHS tapes, DVDs, old Playboy magazines of any type of pornography that you want that will not trip any alarms on any network anywhere in the world. You can watch it in the privacy of your home the way that we used to do back in the 90s and even further back with old uh, you know, 9 millimeter <laughs> films <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, eight, eight millimeter, I think. Nine oh, millimeters yeah, eight, eight, a gun. Eight, yeah, okay, um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, even that wouldn't work anymore. There are no more VHS uh, um, manufacturers anymore. The last mm. one went out of business about five years ago. Well, I guess I better uh, sit on mine. I've got two of them right now that still work. <laughs> don't even turn them on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because the, 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 the rubber um, elastic bands inside yeah. that, that actually go around the spindles, yeah, those dry out and crack and snap after about 10 years. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I'm sure yeah. that that's fixable, though. Yeah. So maybe the, the, the actual business venture that we need is not to get an oil rig 13 miles offshore, but we need to bring back DVD and VHS players. Solid <laughs> start, state. Yeah, yeah, start the new. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we spent way too much time on that. I'm sorry. It's a dumb law, and, and hopefully, you know, for the deity is not a good enough excuse to, uh, <clears throat> to push it through. All right, now, um, Matt, you had a couple of good topics you wanted to talk about. You wanna you wanna set them up and spell them out? Sure. Uh, just a couple of things, since we're just kind of clearing out the dustbin of stuff we've been sitting on. One of the things that came across my attention uh, probably about a month or so ago is a concept called the AIPU, the Artificial Intelligence Processing Unit. This is something I hadn't heard of before, but once I started looking into it, I was like. This, this has a lot of implications, not just for uh, the state of computing, but also for security and for everything that we touch and do. Basically, it's AI on a chip, and it's going to be the next big thing, according to some, um, uh, I, I guess, tech forecasters. Basically, every device, you know, every device now has a CPU, has RAM, has a hard drive. Um, newer computers obviously have the TPM chip, so that's another chip that's on the motherboard. Now they're, they're talking about adding an AI 
only chip so that it can do AI functions and process those separately of the main CPU of the graphics card and stuff like that. Um, and it caught my attention because I don't know that I want AI on my computer. I don't use any AI technology. I don't use Siri. I don't use Bing. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't like talking to my smart TV. And I, I, I tend to turn all those things off because I don't like them. But it sounds like AI is going to be coming, whether I want it or not, to, to my laptop, to my desktops, maybe to my servers. I don't know. Uh, so didn't know if you all heard about and what your all's thoughts were about AI on a chip. Well, I, I tried to read that article that you sent. Um, I don't know about you, but I found it to be written in a very pedantic manner. Like, it's like probably written by AI. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably written by Chad GPT. Yeah, that probably. wasn't a great article, but it was, yeah, it was, it was a primer on, uh, you know, what AI on a chip actually was, uh, just right. to kind of and give you a brief overview. It, it, and and I got to be honest with you, you know, when you initially brought up the idea, to me, it sounded like, hey, this is what we talked about a few weeks ago, where everyone's adding AI to their product, because yeah. it's the flavor of the decade right now, you know, and, and you know, this is just another uh, stab at that same you know, target, right? Yeah. Uh, but, I, but I read a little bit more, and they talked about, you know, the difference between, for instance, a CPU and a GPU. How a GPU is a CPU with specific parameters in order to support um, high-end graphics capabilities, right? Right. So it's still a transistor. It's just it's arranged in a slightly different way. Yeah. Well, that's that's kind of what, from what I could gather from the article, that's what an AIPU will be. It is a CPU. It's a transistor optimized for processing AI algorithms. Right. Which leads me back to the first point of where they're just trying to slap AI onto you know, an <laughs> right. existing technology and make it sound cool and modern. Now, yeah. there's a few things that they did talk about tweaking how like uh, um, certain SRAM and DRAM capabilities will be modified in the AIPU so that it's, it's better for those algorithms. Different input-output interfaces so that it can handle more requests at a... At a uh, closer time frame. Go ahead, Rafti. You you see. Yeah, you were saying different it. RAM. That's already the case with GPUs as well, because you right. draw yeah. the comparison. Like yeah. XDDR uh, RAM that's specific to GPUs does not work on CPUs. It's much. It's it's built differently. It's accessed differently. It's all the same things. Um, that's one thing I wanted to add there. And the other thing in regards to. Um, having this as a new thing. I think Apple is also doing this already, like with the iPhone stuff uh, for voice processing. And they are now calling this the neural engine as well, where they have like stuff for, for Siri that it's locally processed in there. Uh, and of course, like Google has in the Pixlist the Tensor chips as well, which uh, the GPT, the T in there is already Tensor. So um, it's it's also already partly out there. I'm not saying that this is that we're not moving further into that realm, but we're already somewhat there in regards to uh, that they're already adding that capability into CPUs because CPUs already have modems in them. They already have like, um, as I said, sometimes graphics chips in them as well. And so yeah. now Network, they're adding Bluetooth. Some... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And to me, all this means, and correct me if I'm wrong again, I didn't really read <laughs> deep on this. All it means is they're rearranging existing technology to kind of create an architecture for those existing AI technologies to use better. That, that's all it seems to be 
to me. This is not some new technology. This is not some a great stride forward. This is just changing the transistor a bit. Am, am I wrong here? Yeah, no, I think that, that, that that's entirely what it is. The, the question that I have is, does this mean that down the road we're going to have AI that we can't turn off though? Yes. Will it be so ubiquitous that every machine comes with this? And it's like the car that's connected to the internet. What if I want to buy a car that's just solid state that just drives, right? Yeah. It, right. Are they going to offer a chassis that does that for me? <laughs> Rafti's already shaking his head. <laughs> no, he says, I don't no. think so. No, he says, no, you old people, you're stuck with this, you <laughs> stupid Luddites with your VHS porn. You're, you're <laughs> but what I do appreciate my car, at least, I can put it into a private mode, and uh, then it does not connect to the internet. Um, as far as you know. As far as I know, that's absolutely correct. But at least like the app does not work anymore, and I, I saw that I missed some updates and stuff like that. So they are not like that blatant and ignoring my uh switching it to private um they're very good at showing you how inconvenient <laughs> it is when it's not connected they're not yeah. exactly great at showing you what it's reporting to the manufacturer whether you know it or not right i mean as far as we know <laughs> we we really have no idea which the Mozilla Foundation, I think, actually did a report late last year. I don't know if we talked about this, but they said that the car actually at the moment is the most privacy invasive um thing that we own i know it's reporting so much no me neither and they're yeah, also talking about the language that's used especially like in car manufacturers like tesla no that's also true but they're also like if you want to opt out some opt uh offer this option they're actually saying that not viable if the car sort of like um explodes or issues crashes. Yeah, yeah stuff like that no because they want to hot fix it if if cars are more beta at the moment and you need fixes as it is already like out in the wild that's i don't know i don't like that direction and then you're Forget you're sort of like saying to the customer you have to enable all the online services otherwise you don't get those life-saving uh updates <laughs> that you will need Forget otherwise your car will crash Forget Pornhub <laughs> on an oil platform. My new business model is going to be Faraday shielding for garages. <laughs> <laughs> so, so people can actually park in a skiff. That, that, I think that's the way to go. That's... Why stop with the garage? Just build a rolling Faraday cage that you can put <laughs> over the chassis hey, itself. Hey, Ben, Ben, I really like your new car. Why is it wrapped in chicken wire? <laughs> it's kind of boxy looking, but it's, I, I get it. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Forget tinfoil helmets. Your entire car is wrapped in Renault. <laughs> but maybe to say something good, I coming back to the AI chips. Um, what I saw when we went into everything AI was that everything needed to be connected, and that every device that we're sort of like moving away from personal computing again um, into some sort of like mainframe situation where everybody's just dialing up and connecting to and and i know i know uh, you except, some... except for the one port the, the the one the one piece that that matt referenced there is a certain element there where it's edge computing 
where the, yeah. the actual computation will happen at the point of data capture um, because it's, it's just faster and more efficient. Exactly. But with those yeah. chips, with, with us going into that direction, making it easier to run on a device, I think this will bring it back again, um, which uh, gives me some sort of hope for people like me who are running Home Assistant at home. And I'd love to have something like Siri or Alexa um, that, that isn't locally, that isn't connected. Exactly. Somewhere. Yeah. exactly, exactly. And I don't. More distributed capacity. Exactly. And I don't. I own an iPhone. I, I could talk to Siri all day, but hey, Siri does not work on my phone because I don't want it listening. And I turn it off everywhere I can. Um, you just triggered and... all of our listeners' iPhones. I hope not because I hope that they are listening. Oh, no, maybe in the car. You're right. Uh, what is it? Um, Unless they have our patented aluminum foil wrapped around their car. <laughs> okay. So, uh, but I turned that stuff off and I, I'd love to have some voice assistant at home. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I, 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 the, I don't use Siri or Alexa uh, as a rule, but there are times when I'm driving and I just want to say the name of the song that I want to hear without actually thumbing through a freaking touchscreen because nobody has physical buttons anymore. <laughs> Lord, driving while you're doing a touchscreen is awful. But yeah, it's it's handy to be able to do that, but I, I can't do that by default because I turn all that stuff off. So yeah, it would be nice to, to have that capability back again, to, to actually not feel like a Luddite, as Ben likes to say, because I have to thumb through stuff. And the closest I have to that is in my motorcycle helmet, I've got the, the Freecom uh, uh, Cardo unit that is voice activated. So, I mean, because definitely when you're on a motorcycle, you can't thumb through your music, you know, that's just not a thing you can do. Um, so I can tell it to go to the next song on my playlist. But you're right, Matt. One of the things that'd be great is if I could change the genre of music while I'm riding, if I could call up the specific song for a specific moment. And if that was built into the helmet, that would be so much more preferable than if my helmet had to connect back to fucking AWS or something like that and, and you know, had that, I, that link to me and somewhere else, which may or may not work anyway when I'm cruising along on the motorcycle, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, that's such a very small need, though. I mean, I, I don't know if we have to invent a whole new brand of CPU just for this capability, but... <laughs> if it makes well, it more efficient, uh, power from a power consumption perspective, I think it's a good thing. And if it increases the capabilities because you can add more on the same die um, of those capabilities, I think it's a good thing. And if it's an add-in card explicit, I, I would go with it, you know? I have two PCIe slots still left on my home server. One of them can be an AI voice assistant card. Who knows? <laughs> but I hate to be the one that says it, but you know that this is this is what we always come back to. This this thing right here, AI on a chip. Once every device has AI on a chip, this is how you get Skynet. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> This, because you can't turn off for 3 billion or 7 billion devices. As long as it still lives on one device, it can still thrive and move around. This is, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I think that that's one of the bigger security implications is that it, once AI does truly become sentient, I think it's going to leverage every single one of these chips. And I, I don't think it's, it's in the realm of science fiction. I think it's real. I think it's worse than that. It won't be sentient. It'll just be very efficient. It'll go back to your paperclip. <laughs> Or the Fantasia model of uh, Sorcerer Mickey, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, 
far worse than it having its own personality. I think at least if it had a personality, it, it might be uh, tolerantly whimsical. You know, it might dick with us a bit, but at least it'll find some amusement in doing so. <laughs> All right, Matt, you had another one about browsers that you wanted to mention. Yeah, this is something that came across my feed and Reddit because I'm in a bunch of sysadmin and of course Windows and stuff like that because I'm a, I'm a total nerd about stuff of like that. Of course you are. But one of the uh, topics that came up recently was the rise of the Microsoft browser Edge. Uh, and it was interesting because I hadn't really considered it a whole lot. I, a lot of my customers are still standardized on Chrome, but apparently in big organizations, uh, Edge is now becoming the de facto standard browser, which I was surprised by. And then I wasn't once I thought about it a little bit more. It is a Microsoft product. Uh, it allows, uh, if you're an admin for an organization, to have a full stack of Microsoft software from top to bottom, from your servers to your workstations. Now you're, you're using the Microsoft browser. Uh, it's completely controllable and customizable from within the existing tools that an admin would use to manage uh, a Windows Active Directory Azure environment. But uh, Chrome's getting edged out, and so and there were several people that were uh -huh. chiming in. Huh? Edged oh, out because edged, it's oh, Microsoft Edge. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <Didn't even laughs> I accidentally made a Yeah, button. you didn't even know you did that, did you? <laughs> Chrome is becoming uh, more for uh, some of these admins were saying, yeah, I use Chrome at home, but whenever I'm in, at work, I use Edge because it's just easier and we, we force all of our users to use it and stuff like that. I didn't know if you all had heard uh, that, that type of stuff. And if you've used Edge, if you have um, any you know point of comparison to, uh, to using Edge, maybe this is a dead topic because I don't think that, you know, Rafi's on Linux, so he doesn't use Edge, and Ben is a Luddite, and he doesn't, he only uses what shows him the most porn. Edge I... stopped working on my Windows 7 machine. It just said, <laughs> we give up. We're, we're done. We can't I, use uh... this anymore. I actually installed Edge on my on my work laptop because I have five browsers on there. Every, everything, like, siloed off into its own thing. Now and when I looked at it, it what, what operating system is your work laptop? It's Linux as well. Yeah, yeah, Fedora. Linux, <laughs> Linux. <laughs> but it's um, it's working beautifully on Linux as well. Okay. And uh, um, when I saw it, I was like, "This, I hate that I like how it's how it looks." At the sidebar on the right, I immediately like I deleted it. But everything else, how it opens apps and stuff, also MSN or whatever that page is deleted it but MSN. The, the, the browser underneath is actually a cool great browser um yeah. and it seems lighter uh mm -hmm. i don't know i think i talked about this i i switched to vivaldi switched back off it of it again um but um no i understand why people are using edge it's it, it is um a sleek browser again yeah I guess, and it's it's got a, based on Chromium, so it's yes. got the same engine as as Chrome does, and yeah, yeah, Microsoft is pushing hard to to make it, you know, like you said, faster, look nicer, have more features, stuff like that. So, All right, yeah. so so I got to ask the same question from a different perspective as we did with the AI thing. So many of these browsers are based on Chromium. I I find that a single point of failure at some point. Um, yeah. Wouldn't it be better to have at least a variety of browsers that have different parentage, you know, different lineage? Wouldn't wouldn't that be more robust at least? Yeah, and and then you get what we had in the '90s, where we had so many different browsers, and some web pages would work well on some browsers, and some web pages would work well on other browsers, and there was so much fighting that they and and standards were being thrown out. Internet Explorer famously 
did not support many of any of the uh, web browser standards, but people still wrote for for it because it became the the the, the top dog for a period of time there. I think that people want standards and they want they, they just want one thing. They don't like having a variety. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever stood in front of the beer case and tried to decide what six pack to pick up for the for the, the you know the evening. Uh, people don't like variety. It's a lot easier when you only have two or three choices. Yeah, and you currently have three. Uh, as a reminder, it's Blink. That's the Chromium engine. Gecko. That's the Firefox one. And WebKit, uh, Safari. Uh, of course, they you Safari now... still around. Of course, every iPhone is Safari. Yeah, every iPhone is Safari. They're now allowing it. Like, there's an EU regulation which forces Apple to allow different engines on iPhone, but every iPhone is WebKit. <laughs> yeah, purely. Yeah, even if you download Chrome onto your iPhone, yeah. it's using uh, uh, WebKit, WebKit as as its engine. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So this is those are the three left. Um, and regarding Microsoft, you know, I, I guess maybe you know, but for my age group, this was interesting to to get to know. Uh, the it's I think the three E's that Microsoft used to do. It's uh, for open standards: embrace, expand, and extinguish. So yeah. that's how they did it with the uh, with the open web. Yeah. Um, embrace the standards, expand the standards, and then extinguish them. Right. Who knows? Maybe they're happen. doing the same thing with Edge now. <laughs> Okay. Oh. You know, and if it's creative destruction, I, I'm all for that. Yes, standardization is nice. Yes, uh, we do like a certain amount of ease of use. But Matt, I, I thoroughly disagree. We don't live in a repo man world where every can of beer is just um, a white can with a black label that says beer on it. Um, we we actually love variety. We want twenty three different kinds of deodorant. We want you know when we get when we get down to it, we would love personalized, customized. Um, artisan crafted individual products for us. If you want a suit made, it's much better to have a suit made for you than to mm -hmm. buy one off the rack and have it tailored. Um, until, until until you run up against the fact that your suit doesn't work in somebody else's house. <laughs> right. Yes, I get, exactly. I get that. I get that. <laughs> until um, support comes into play, and then yeah, uh, everything needs to be standardized because you can't support a billion and one different configurations. As Rafi knows, trying to support uh, his software products safely, we don't have that yet. Because we don't have truly object-oriented everything that could be governed by an AI that could look at a batch of objects and say, aha, my user can only view these objects in this configuration and then bring it up for us. Maybe that's why we need AIPUs, which is a dumb name, and I really don't ever want to use it. We're going to have to think of something better than that. It sounds like something you would get at an Indian buffet at the end, you know, yeah. an IPU or something like that. So, um, no, that's fascinating. And and Matt, you threw this in as an aside, and I just want to I just want to laugh at it for a second. Yeah. Is it true that the U.S. Air Force is bringing back warrant officers? That is 100% true. Yes, warrant officers are coming back. So you have the enlisted ranks, you have the officer ranks. And the Air Force, uh, Marines, uh, Army still had warrant officers, but Air Force dropped theirs, I don't know, two decades ago, three decades ago, sometime, sometime ago. Way, way, but I, three, three and a half decades or four decades back. Okay. okay. Um, and and Rafti, I, I don't know if you're familiar with this at all. Warrant no. officers are sort of a weird uh, pastiche 
between enlisted and officer ranks. And usually it was for specialized um, uh, career uh, fields. So, for instance, I think the Army warrant officers are largely helicopter pilots. That that's how I always, yeah, that's what yeah. I always knew them as. Yeah, if you were warrant, you were, you were flying helos. So, yeah, the warrant officers would, uh, uh, yeah, very, very technical, very, very career oriented, and they didn't move around like the officer class did. They didn't, uh, they, they, they weren't the, uh, the grunts. That generalists. The they were yeah. not meant to be generalists. Right, they were meant right, to be right. in that field and stay in that field and be experts at that field. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, Air Force is bringing them back. And the, the, the funny thing is the reason that they're bringing them back is for two big reasons. IT and cyber. They want their warrant officer class to be uh, IT nerds and cybersecurity specialists. It does make sense. For that, again, if you want someone in this field, you really don't want them leading an infantry. Well, Air Force doesn't have infantry. You don't want them running a maintenance depot. You don't want them uh, in charge of ordnance. You want them staying in their silo, which would be IT, right? Yeah. I mean, right. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Does each division have its own cyber and IT capabilities just out of curiosity. Yes, it, it's uh, we are so okay. fucked in the head and we've been so <laughs> fucked in the head since 1947. It's so dumb. We should have one unified US military and then you could pick your career field the same way you could pick, you know, within a given service. To have multiple services is just ridiculous. Or how about a cyber force, you know? Now you have the space force. Now you get uh, the cyber force. How about uh, that? Air Force kind of already is, but but then you get into naval and and, and army and every uh, every branch has has such specialized needs. It's yeah. Uh, it, it, and the more forces you create, the more military uh, branches you create. Uh, now you're adding a whole new level of bureaucracy, and now you you know yeah, logistic support, and, and you run into the double-edged sword. On the one hand, if you don't give each service its own, say, maintenance capability, yeah. then you have to rely on another service's maintenance capability, yeah. and that parent service is always going to treat that subordinate service like you know the unwanted stepchild. That's just <laughs> the nature. Of the, you know, ask the Marines how well that works. That's exactly them. what I was thinking about yeah. the Navy uh, and the Marines. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but but when you do that, when you create and stand up a whole new service, you're you're now replicating all the costs involved with that and all the the the, mm -hmm. the bureaucratic nightmare that that is. And and do we really need it? Come on now. I'm just not joking. For not no. suggesting. Something as basic as, as mid-air refueling between the Air Force and the Navy uses two completely separate systems that are incompatible with each other. So if an Air Force airplane needs to refuel in mid-air, it can't do so behind a Navy tanker. And Unless Navy... it has the adapter on. Exactly. All right. You gotta you gotta pay <laughs> you gotta pay for the $29.99 dongle to stick on your jet <laughs> to make it fit. <laughs> really? But, are but they yeah, if, if you don't do they have different suppliers? Of course. Um, yeah, oh, of yeah. course they do. And the, the airframe themselves are different because Navy planes have to have the hardened uh, landing gear to land on a carrier and much more important to be launched from a, car a carrier. Because, you know, if you tried to put it behind, if you tried to put an Air Force plane on a Navy character uh, carrier without any um, modification, 
the catapult would just rip the landing gear right off the thing. You'd have you'd have two wheels flying off the front of the boat. <laughs> and then a flat plane just sitting on the deck behind the catapult. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. That that sounds like artillery. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Very ineffective. <laughs> exactly. We have no ammo left. Let's throw some uh land landing gear at, yeah. at the enemy. Yes. Uh, uh, so. Well, that's fascinating, Matt. Thank you for sharing that. I did not. So, know. yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not uh, interested in, in joining uh, the Air Force at, at this point in my career. But for any of you young ones that are out there um, who, who are interested in the military, it's definitely something to keep in mind because um, I, Ben's shaking his head because he's he, just he, last he, night. Just last night, I awoke from another one of those nightmares where they called me back as a middle aged man. <laughs> And you still said, have those too. We said we need you to come back. I said no, no, please, no. Oh you know? my gosh! Yeah, you I saw the have movie. You know, in the movie where they always send the the guy to go recruit the guy, and they say, you know, it's the call the call to action, and they always refuse, and they might refuse three times before going back. No, no, I'm never going back. <laughs> I'm going to handcuff myself to my tinfoil car, and I'm never uh, going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, but anyways, yeah. Uh, if, if you're interested in something like that, go uh, go go talk to your local uh, Air Force recruiter. <laughs> you won't get any. <laughs> you won't get any uh, uh, reasons to go from Ben, and probably not the from sensuous media. sounds of Infosec does not support either child pornography or enlisting in the military. Just don't do it. Don't. Uh, Putting that in the same sentence, I'm not they're, sure. They're very, they're very similar. I. Uh, <laughs> Talk oh, about economic true. exploitation. I mean, holy shit. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, diminished yeah. capacity. Any 18-year-old that wants to join the military is of diminished capacity. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I joined when I was 17. I know, uh, right? There was that yeah. waiver you could sign or your parents could uh, sign. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was I was one of the youngest ones there when, when I went. And yeah, boy, howdy. Oh, well, anyways. And we were so dumb. We were so dumb. (laughs) Speaking of which, Matt, I think it's time for another installment of I'm So Old. You ready, Rafty? Show me your hands, Rafty. (laughs) Matt, you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Um, I'm afraid I might step on yours. So I'll I'll go second. You go first. Uh, Rafty, early in the days of the personal computer, um, talking about lack of standardization, uh, different manufacturers were coming up with different ways of storing data and uh, having data recalled uh, from media. One such manufacturer came up with a brilliant idea. We'll put the data on an audio cassette, which were ubiquitous at the time, and we'll, we'll make the audio player, the, the cassette player, hook up to the computer. And just like you would with playing music, you hit the play button on the audio cassette and that'll load the data up into the computer. That I'm not sure. I think it can be done. I think, of course, it can. I think it can be done. I I know of stuff that can. um, It's supposed to be an analog on the cassette, but I think you can just put digital um, stuff on that as well. Not sure about if you can just like put, but it it should work. There are those adapters for old cars as well. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the first one where I'm actually torn because I think it could be done. Of course, it, why shouldn't it? But you've never but heard of it. 
I never heard of it. No, of course not. Matt, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, of course, because I used to save programs on my Commodore 64 cassette player. Yes. If Now, tell me if I'm wrong here. I, I'm trying to remember the command structure. You'd, you'd have to hit play and enter close to each other, not exactly at the same time. And you, you'd say load, comma, eight, comma, one. Does that sound right? Yeah, and I think there was a star in there or an asterisk at there at, at some point. If also, you wanted right? the directory, yeah, yeah unless yeah. you knew the name of the file. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but uh, yeah, that's how you, you – uh, it would actually load whether it was on the floppy disk or on the, the cassette player. But, um, yeah, it, it stored it much like uh, – last time we talked about the modems and how it was all staticky. That's what it sounded like when it was on the cassette tape. It, it converted the analog sound to the digital zeros and ones through basically a, a version of a modem. Well, the one the one that I played with did not have an uh, an acoustic speaker, so you didn't actually hear it. Oh, but well, I imagine you, that yeah, yeah, you could stick them in a, in, in any yeah. audio cassette player and play them. <laughs> Believe me, I tried. <laughs> That's how techno got invented. I see. Okay. <laughs> So okay. there you have it, Rafi. It, That's that how just old we are. Reads the whole thing, or does it know when to stop? Or how I does... have no idea because it's serial loading. It just, yeah. it, you know, where's the program? I don't know. I have no fucking clue how that works. Yeah, it would receive an end of file command. Yeah. Okay. It okay. Would... Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And I mean... on the tape, was that written three or four times? So, like, if you started the tape at the wrong place, I, I remember having to rewind yeah. and start from the beginning, which is what eventually would kill all your software. Yeah. Is eventually, after the thousandth time of reloading that sucker, the tape would snap at some point, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and oh gosh, the, and and kids today talk about load times on like their video games on their PlayStation Five and how long it would t it, it takes to load between cutscenes on the latest you know Zelda or something like that. Oh my gosh, we no joke, Rafi. It was a ten or fifteen minute load time sometimes if it was a large program. You would hit play and just walk away, and <laughs> and when you saw the splash screen come up, you knew it was loaded. That's when you'd but go get your your chips and soda. Yeah, but yeah, where right. did it? Okay, I see. But where does it? low to i mean does it all yeah, like there's it? no hard drive there's yeah no exactly drive. Yeah. yeah no is there enough in space in ram yeah oh yeah okay yeah, these okay. are like these are kilobyte size programs i mean okay. maybe maybe one megabyte um and how but, much ram uh, did those devices have oh kilobytes yeah not much 8k maybe uh, well counter 64 i think it had 64k oh did oh, oh, oh yeah because okay. there was also the commodore 128 that had 128k um but yeah, it was, oh gosh, it was, it was painful. It was how slow that was. And were you able to buy the, the, the cassette? Like, yeah. Yeah. That's how the game you, came. It came in a cassette. Oh, in a that plastic makes sense. bag. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> does not make sense. Bag. But you also had those plastic like cassettes. Later for music. That was way too expensive for, for game uh, authors and okay, publishers. Yeah. But later, no. see, that's only how I remember cassettes, like in those plastic jewel cases. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay, so you, but that makes sense. So, and one cassette could store multiple floppies, I guess. And because I guess. you needed I, now, now, you're getting to where I don't remember because I never, I always wrote my own programs or or pirated. <laughs> I don't remember how big they actually were, or okay. or, or if you could have multiple ones on there. I know on a floppy drive you could have multiple files, but I don't know on a cassette. I guess you could. No, but it, multiple floppies, like the equivalent, oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. this makes more just makes more sense because you put that one thing in, and of course you have to continue reading. But it's not like 
switching out the floppy and like looking for the next one in a game you already know one i honestly forget what the density of the floppies were okay yeah i mean i think that the floppies on the Commodore 64 were maybe 320 kilobyte that's a cassette that's more than the ram yeah i don't yeah yeah (laughs) so all right matt which one's yours all right so rafty uh, going back to the the early 80s and the Commodore 64s and all that kind of stuff, there were multiple video game consoles on the market. Uh, one of the most famous of which was the Atari 2600. Have you heard of that before? No. You don't know what an Atari... Oh, gosh. Never mind. I thought this was going to be a gimme for you. If you don't even know what an Atari 2600 is, never mind. Never held an Atari <laughs> console in my life. I know the logo because mm-hmm. Atari's still around. But yeah, it's got um, some nostalgia for it right now, yeah. Exactly, yeah. but I have never I like I know I think Steve Jobs worked for them at some point. Yeah, I Nolan think so. Bush I think I think he was a writer okay. for them at some point. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But go ahead. But Matt. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I thought this was going to be easy for Rafi, but anyway, sorry. <laughs> You're not going to know this at all. <laughs> there were other uh, game consoles. Uh, in particular, I'm thinking of like the Magnavox Odyssey, the ColecoVision. Uh, Atari had another one called the 5200. Eventually, in 1985, the Nintendo came out, the, the NES. But prior to that, in 1982, there was a video game console called the Vectrex. And the Vectrex was special because it came with its own monitor. The question I have for you is, why did it have its own monitor? Was it an early LCD? So I guess uh, it's true. I guess because we said it's yeah, like... I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and give it to you. That, that, yeah, you don't have to question whether this actually exists. It did actually exist. Okay, so is it an, L- an early LCD? Because back then, everything was cathode... Um, um, I'll, go ahead and, I'll go ahead and spot you this. It was a CRT. It was not an LCD. Okay. It was a nine-inch CRT. Why would a video game console have its own monitor that it came with? Different colors. I th- aspect ratio. Um, no, that's a good guess, but no. The aspect ratio or the colors? Uh, the well, the, uh, either yeah, because most okay. video game consoles connected to your TV, so it had yeah. it could be whatever colors were on your TV. But those scat, I think, were they called the like the big ones. Or which which connectors? I was just curious which connectors were used. Oh, RGB. You, well, 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 no, most uh, back back then they connected to the antenna connector. So oh, fuck yeah, that's balls. right. Those little those little uh, prong. Yeah, thing. Oh, yeah, God, yeah. Those little, sucked. You had to screw it on. You had to screw it on there, and then if you broke one of the little, they were delicate <laughs> as hell. Oh yeah, that could render your whole console inoperative for a while. Okay. <laughs> and it had a switch on it that would thunk when yeah. you go from TV to the yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, no, so, okay, I have okay, no clue. Okay, so the Vectrex, Vectrex. which if you if you think about um, um, the name of the console, Vectrex, it relied on vector graphics as opposed okay. to raster rasterized graphics. graphics. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so like the like the what is it called again? The the asteroid uh, asteroid game. Yes. Asteroids, yeah, uh, major yeah, havoc. Um, it drew everything. Tempest. Yes, Again? Uh, uh, the the game Tempest. Yes, I have no. So, clue. The, so okay. Well, yeah, th- those were all vector games. Do you know what's special about a? Th- this is the second part. Um, do you know what's special about a vector monitor versus a a, a, a raster monitor? 
the rest are just ghosts every second line and interlaces them as far as I can tell, like from the top corner down to the bottom corner. That's like, I think, rasterization. And the okay. vector is freely movable as far as yep. I can tell. I don't know how it decides what to do one after the other, <laughs> but the, the, the laser draws the vector thing one after the other and not um, the whole screen. Okay. You're, 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 you're spot on on the, on the concept. There are no lasers involved in a CRT. <laughs> okay. It's an, it's electron, an electron gun. gun. Yeah. yeah. Electrons. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, the electron gun, which is at the back of a monitor, uh, a, a, a CRT, yeah, on a raster, it goes left and right, up and down, uh, and, and it goes line by line. Whereas a vector one, the gun is actually pointable to any point on the screen, and then it can draw a line between those, which meant that you had sharper graphics, very sharp graphics, but usually a limited color palette. But um, uh, it was also a lot faster and a lot more. I was going to say it's faster because yeah. it doesn't have to draw the whole screen for exactly. every single frame of gameplay. Yep, yep. Ah. So, so the Vectrex was a home computer uh, video game system but it used a vector monitor as opposed to your TV that you're playing, uh, you know, uh, Space Invaders on or something like that, so. That's cool as hell. Why didn't they capture more, or at least why didn't someone buy them and then take that concept? Well, we had a little thing called the video game crash of 1983, 1984, uh, because the, the video game market was so flooded with crap video games that uh, everybody stopped carrying them. So I don't know if you remember, uh, Atari went out of business, basically. That was Atari's uh, fault because of E.T., though, basically. <laughs> well, not... <laughs> and marijuana. No. Yeah. Yeah. The E.T. thing I have heard of, and the yeah. landfills. Yeah, there, yeah there's actually a documentary of. on that. It's a really good documentary where they go to the landfill and they pull them back out. But yeah, it wasn't until 1985 when Nintendo launched the NES that the video game system, re or the video game market rebounded. Um, but anyways, yeah, Vectrex, uh, uh, ColecoVision, Atari... They all died off hard in 1983, 1984, um, because nobody thought that they, there was a market anymore for home video game systems. All right, that's awesome, Matt. Thank you for that deep pull. By the way, um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this one in here because I was gonna use it at some future date, but obviously Rafti has no frame of reference for Atari. You mentioned the 2600. You mentioned the 5200. My parents found the one Atari that was absolutely useless, and I forget the number nomenclature. Didn't have joystick controllers, didn't have paddles. It had a paddle wheel built into the console box. So you could play something like Missile Command, but you could. it really didn't do anything else. And I guess maybe it was 100 bucks cheaper or something, and I guess that's why my dad found it, but <laughs> it was an Atari for a while, and nobody else I knew ever had one, and uh, it was pretty awful. But what year was this? Oh, was this 70s or 80s? Is, I, you're asking me, and, and I have no idea. How am I supposed to I've never even heard of this. <laughs> and I'm, I'm an Atari historian. I know all, I still have my Atari XE from 1985 uh, that had a light gun that was competing with the NES. Uh, but I've never heard of this. Are you, are you sure it wasn't just like I, a home? I'm trying to look it up right now, but. Uh, I've, I've seen the old. Here it is. Here it is. It's the video pinball machine. The really? The C380. I've never heard of this. Yes, it's pretty awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only we could go back to our, our 1979 versions of ourselves and say, it gets better, I promise. Yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, boy, howdy. They would never believe us. <laughs> I would never believe us. Let me put it that way. 
Wow. Super cool. Uh, the so, battle. Okay. Yeah. Well, now we know. Thank you, you Matt. Stump. Yeah. Thank now, you. We, now we know if we want to stump Rafty, all we got to do is talk about 1980s video <laughs> games, apparently. <laughs> but now we also know it's shooting fish in a barrel, so we're going to have to find some yeah. other stuff, too. <laughs> <laughs> If it's if it's interesting to the listeners, I um the reason why we're where we're continuing to do that is because I got very good feedback on this. And so oh, maybe good. some listeners want to let us know how they yeah. feel about it. Uh but I got personal comments where they're like they um are my age group. And so what they're saying is that they're learning new things and they're learning how stuff used to work. And um it's it's trivia but it's connecting dots it's stuff that of course it has to it's stuff that you um remember and stuff that was impactful apparently or impactful enough in your lives that 30 plus years later you're you still remember that stuff and so um it's interesting to them as well and i feel like it's like listeners who talk to me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like that stuff and if you are liking that as well leave us even at, my at, nephew even my nephew who never comments on the show sent me feedback saying he digs this segment oh good See? Really? <laughs> also yeah. more more i guess my age group <laughs> <laughs> well now closer anyway yeah uh-huh yeah. Uh. and and, and Rafi, if if you want to come up with something to try to stump me and ben I'm putting it out there right now. You, you are welcome to do a rebuttal version of this, where you bring something from your uh, from your generation uh, that is u- unique to you. You, you know, we're going to lose that every single time. I mean, only only because there was such a proliferation of so many different niche elements over those years that there's no way we could know it all. Plus, he's in Europe where they did everything differently. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, that's so. Uh, I I don't know if you got all those fun phones back in the early two thousands that Nokia was making. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and the and the ringtones and the the peanut. The... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get the uh, uh, the dial pad with uh, different uh, LED colors and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And playing and Snake talk- on the screen. And talking about um, consoles, the Nokia N Gauge. Where they had cartridges yes. as well. Um, yeah, the was Engage was their, was their gaming phone. Exactly. And it you, was and, sideways. And it, yes. You, you and talk to the edge of it. Yeah. Exactly. And it looked like an uh, Game Boy Advanced. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. I remember that. Yeah. I didn't have one, but I remember it. <laughs> well, now that I feel thoroughly humiliated that we're the, the old man who sits in the hut at the edge of the village and the neighborhood kids come and say tell me about the before times and we say sit down kids and back in the day we had a rock and we did it with another rock and... the new fangle thing was a was a hoop with a stick yeah right yeah well damn okay uh, thank you, gentlemen. Really appreciate it. Any updates on either of your endeavors that are uh, worth? Okay, good. Nothing right. I want to talk about now. <laughs> uh, well, then, until next time, I'm Ben Maliso. I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Rafael Fiedler. Join us again next time for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec. Hey there, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, 
Boy, that's a lot of letters. Or other InfoSec certifications. Go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com. And that's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P.com. We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel wannabeacissp. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old-fashioned email to ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience.